Hi everyone. You're listening to episode number 25 of the Elysium Project podcast. Calling my spirit back with Elaine Allen. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. If you enjoy listening to the Elysium Project podcast, the number one thing you can do to help this movement grow is share our content on social media. It's free to do so. We're also on Patreon and can be found by heading to www.elysiumproject.tv and clicking the big Patreon button at the bottom of the page. For only $3 per month, you can help support this project and we'll mail out a personalized gratitude package right to your doorstep. Today, I'm joined by Elaine Alec. Elaine is an Indigenous author and speaker from British Columbia, Canada, who recently wrote and published her book, Calling My Spirit Back. In this episode, she speaks about her journey through addiction and finding serenity through her ancestors' Indigenous teachings. Elaine Alec, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you. Um, I found you randomly on social media, as I often do many, many of my guests. And uh, I saw your book, Calling My Spirit Back, that you've written. I read a little bit about it and in your journey and really wanted to invite you on the show. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'll give it to you to introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit more about your journey, what your book is about. And uh, I think I saw you post today, you have a retreat coming up this year, hopefully if COVID cooperates. Yeah, okay, so I'll start introducing myself. Um, uh, I just said, good day. My name is Tithkanit and I am Okanagan and Shishwap. Um, Tithkanit was given to me by my Tama on the day I was born and it translates into standing by water. My English name is Elaine Alec and I am the daughter of the late uh, Kenzie Basil and Sophie Alec uh, from the Okanagan and Shishwap nations from the Southern interior of British Columbia. Awesome. So beginning with your journey you were you were born into the obviously the indigenous people's society and ways and why don't you share go go to the kind of a little bit about what your book is about and the journey that you've gone through and I know that uh, from what I read anyways you found a lot of healing through the traditional indigenous people's um, methods yeah, I so it's so funny that I didn't even realize what I was born with or what I was raised in until I was about 30 years old. But I spent the first six years of my life with my grandmother, who was a fluent language speaker. And so she spoke the language to me and my sister, and uh, she would tell us bedtime stories in the language. Um, a lot of them were our governance stories and our creation stories on how um, we are to behave uh, as individuals, how, how we're to behave in a family, uh, how we are to behave in a community, and how we are to behave on the land. And we didn't realize that those stories were laws um, and protocols and ways of being. And she told us those stories every night as bedtime stories. And then when we'd wake up in the morning, she would send us out um, to do things at the water or in the hills. And 
and would tell us to do certain things to take care of ourselves. And as I got older, I didn't realize what a gift that was because I didn't learn about residential schools until I was 29. Mm. And I had no clue that my mom and my dad both went to residential school. It was just something that we didn't talk about and not many of us knew about. Um, But once they started talking about that, we started realizing like a lot of the things that were happening in our communities were a direct result of the things that happened to our parents there. And so because my mom and my dad were residential school survivors, they both um, suffered from uh, alcoholism and uh, trauma. And so they raised us. um, My dad kind of wasn't really around, but my mom raised us in that atmosphere of alcoholism Mm. And so um, I had kind of two lives. I, I had the one with my tama, which was really safe and really sacred. Um, and then I had one with my mom when she was a practicing alcoholic, which was very unsafe and filled with a lot of trauma. Um, so I experienced a lot of different things as a child uh, that um, made me become the young person I was, which was, you know, I started smoking when I was 10 and I started drinking when I was 12 and became a really... Um, active and raging alcoholic at the age of 12 uh, and just went through so much in my younger years. But I always believe that, you know, so many of my friends my age now are gone. You know, they've they've died from a lot of different uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, Some of it preventable disease, uh, some of it from alcoholism um, and liver problems, um, some of them from overdose and suicide. So I've I've lost many friends my age and I've always wondered why. that was that you know why I'm still here and I believe that it's because my grandmother spoke Mm. love into me from the moment I was born and gave me those teachings that kind of held me connected to this place wow that's really amazing that you do you had that uh, thankfully gratefully with your your grandmother can be very hard when you're raised in in a household as you say where one one or both of the parents are an alcoholic or addict of some sort and uh, it can be really hard to break free from that almost interdimensional trauma I think as a lot of people call it so congratulations to you I know you're you're sober now and Mm -hmm. this is largely about what your your book is about I think calling my spirit back Mm -hmm. Um, so you say it was your grandmother and talked about some of those stories that she would tell you I'm kind of curious because as a, a person who is um, my my lineage, my heritage is of European settlers who came over. And I think a lot of those of us who are uh, of that ethnicity are still learning about the uh, traditional First Nations cultures and a lot of those teachings. And that's one of the things that I would like you to share a little bit more about today, about what brought you back from that darkness, because I've also experienced that in my life, you've had, I've had quite a journey through um, my own mental health challenges. And so I'm really curious about some of what you are able to share today about some of those traditional Indigenous teachings. Yeah, so um, one of the things I talk about that, you know, I think we're missing so much in all societies, and I, and I always talk about how people all belong to a place and a people, and that 
all people have been colonized because we all come from nested systems, regardless of where we come from. Mm. Um, if we look back far enough, we have those ancestral teachings um, in, in all of our peoples and all of our, our families across the world. And so, you know, those things that resonate with us, those things that, you know, hit our heart and that feel good to us um, is usually our, our blood remembering who we are and what teachings we come from and if you look at any of the different religions or if you look at any of the different beliefs um, when you look really deep into those they all are um, based in pure love and it's all based in love and loving yourself and understanding that you have purpose and um, teaching you to master you know those things, those feelings for yourself and taking ownership of them. And so a lot of our stories um, that were shared with us were stories to kind of help us understand that we were so important that we, you know, when we were little, um, when we're around four years old in our communities, um, our elders would start sending us out into the dark to get something and they would say you I forgot my handkerchief by the wood pile or can you go grab this for me and they'd try to send children out in the dark away from kind of their home camp or their home area and it was to for the children to find their uh, helper their spirit helper their sumich and so a lot of times they say when you're walking and you get that kind of chill up your back and or you get that like shivery feeling it's it's because your spirit helper is coming around you to show itself to you and and to pay attention to that and so a lot of children start getting trained at a really young age and then whatever that is that comes to you it could be an animal it could be an element it could be something there that guides you that you see all the time that you know that you're connected to um those are your helpers and um when i would talk to our elders about that like what does that mean when we see them all the time um our elders would say well it's because the creator loves you so much you're so important that um that the creator sends these helpers to make sure you're okay to let you know that you're loved and that was like one of the things we started learning from like from that age, three, four, five years old, we were told all the time that there are these things out there that you can see and can't see that are there to help you and that you're so loved. And what, you know, what a difference that makes in a child's life mm -hmm. um, to be told every day of their life and throughout their childhood that they're so important, that they're so loved, that you have purpose and that something's watching out for you to have that belief in you and that faith that you're you're worthy and you're deserving and and you are something that helps instill that self-love into you to know that you're not junk that you're not you know a mistake um and Absolutely. so those like deep 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 teachings right that are just told to us over and over again that's that's the way our stories work so you know, even if we forget about them in our head, we still feel them in our heart. Wow. I love it. When you were in the midst of your addiction and seeking a way out, was there a specific moment or anything about remembering those, those stories or teachings that brought you back? I'm just curious, what was it that caused you to break that cycle? 
It's so hard. Um, I get asked that a lot um, when that moment was and I, I can't, I, I really have a hard time remembering because there were so many moments where I hit rock bottom, where I, you know, attempted suicide, where I just didn't care anymore. Um, and then started coming to and thinking about where I was at in my life or, you know, how I was feeling. And there would be moments where I would tell myself, you know, to that I needed to do something better or something more for myself and that I was I wasn't going to go that far down next time. Um, but every time, you know, I would go to those places, I would remember things that my mom had told me and I would remember things that my that my grandmother told me that kind of helped bring me back into that that space of knowing that I was important, um, even if I didn't believe it or that knowing that I could do better. So there was always this hope for myself, but I didn't, um, it, it took many mistakes and many times of falling to, to really kind of figure out um, what I needed to listen for. And I think you know, the, I, I would try to be sober year after year after year and, and never make it to a year or make it to a year. And that was it. Yeah. And it wasn't until I realized that um, I was good at hiding my feelings for a year, but I couldn't go past that. I couldn't stuff my feelings longer than a year. They would just, they would come up and I would get anxiety and I would have breakdowns and um, you know, I, I, I've been diagnosed with so many different mental health issues, all of those things would just come like layering back into my life, and I would have to find a way to numb it. And I think the last time that happened, I was 30 years old, and I was um, at uh, an event that I was helping out with that I was passionate about, and I ended up drinking so much that I couldn't function the next day because I woke up still drunk. And I couldn't participate in this event that was so important to me. And that's when I realized that I really had lost all control of my, um, of myself, I guess, that, that I needed to make a change. And so I stayed dry again for another year. And then I decided, um, then the feelings came. And that was when I decided I was going to actually have to do the work and feel the feelings. Um, but I mean, there were just so many different pieces of like my teachings and, and that have kept me alive, that faith, I think, just faith in something. I didn't even know what it was because I lost faith in my own teachings. I lost faith in, you know, a creator or a God or something. You know, I lost faith in everything. Um, and that was when I, I was at my darkest when I just stopped caring. But it was when I started feeling that glimmer of hope and faith again for myself that I started slowly being able to move forward. And, and it was really taking all of those things that were taught to me um, and finding ways to incorporate them into my life. And so there's just so many times I've messed up so badly. Um, I don't know what it was that I, you know, I feel like the last time was, I just knew if I didn't do something different that I probably wasn't going to be alive for much longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a <clears throat> common theme among addicts and, and alcoholics, what you said there about, uh, you know, waking up the next day, you were still drunk, and you can go to an event that you were passionate about. I've had 
those days myself and those experiences where so many life opportunities and things that I was truly passionate about, I missed out on, or even lost jobs, lost work over because I was too consumed in, in that, my addictions. Um, and sometimes, as you say, it does take, it takes that really low, low to finally realize that we need to explore that and do the work. So my next question, and I'm curious, is what is what is that work that you did to to confront those those things and how you got beyond that? I think the the work, the hardest work I had to do was um, to be okay with being vulnerable mm. and to be okay with crying and to be okay with feeling and to be okay with being angry because growing up the way I did, we weren't allowed to cry. Um, and that was like something because in residential schools, um, our parents were beaten and abused, um, but they weren't allowed to cry. And so if they cried, they were beaten even worse. And so that was a teaching that was passed on to us. And, you know, people often say, oh, stoic Indians are, you know, they're, they're so, you know, stoic. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of that comes from that, like, because we had to be, we weren't allowed to show emotion or feeling. And so um, that was like such a generational thing where I never really cried until I was 15 years old um, because oh. we weren't allowed to, like, we just weren't allowed to. And so, um, that was weakness and um, it's, you know, it's a long way from your heart or you didn't have it as bad as you don't know what pain is, that type of attitude. And so that's in your head, right? Like you're not allowed to cry because that's weak. You're not allowed to cry. Like don't talk about yourself. All these things that are, you know, imposed on us, you know, just to survive, I guess, because that's what protected them. And they thought they were protecting us by teaching us to not cry. Um, but that I learned that crying is like my greatest strength now. I've learned that vulnerability is my greatest strength and that, you know, by being vulnerable and by sharing my emotions and my feelings and, and talking about when I'm hurt and it makes it easier for me to have boundaries. And that's a huge thing for alcoholics and addicts is boundaries. Like how do you even have them or start to yeah. create them? Um, and a lot of that comes from being vulnerable and sharing who you are and knowing who you are. And so that was the biggest thing. That was the real work for me was to smile um, to mm. laugh, to cry. Uh, the first time I had a really good cry because I felt love, I was laughing and crying at the same time because it felt so good <laughs> <laughs> to be able to feel feelings. And so, you know, I don't, uh, and that, that happened to me when I was 31, when I wow. finally had that really good, beautiful cry and felt the feelings. And I realized once I was vulnerable to hurt, once I was vulnerable to pain, when I stopped putting up my hard walls and being such a hard ass, um, that I started attracting the good feelings too. Because when you put those walls up, you know, you don't just keep out the bad stuff, you keep out the good stuff too. Like those walls don't filter the 100%. good and the bad feelings. Yeah, they filter everything. And so if you're shutting down, if your trauma response is to shut down and not care, um, you have to be really aware of that so that you're 
you're able to break them down and be aware of it and break them down because then when you put those walls up and you don't realize you are all of a sudden nobody loves you I don't feel love from you and you know I don't how come I don't feel fulfilled in this relationship and and not realizing that we've done it to ourselves and so that was the biggest piece for me was vulnerability and being human and and being okay with all parts of myself and forgiving myself and loving myself um, so that I could start treating myself better. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the way you put that. And again, I can very much relate to um, in my own recovery and very much in the contained within the 12 step program is confronting the, these emotions that we're, that we're holding in and that idea of surrender, letting go and letting God and just be, as you said, being vulnerable. And there's some sort of, yeah, that allows the soul to accept that healing energy, I think that is necessary to move beyond a lot of those destructive patterns. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite saying is the letting go and letting God. It's Mm -hmm. easier to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But it's such a good one. If you keep saying it enough, then you'll start to believe it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It just takes that uh, surrender. I never understood that Mm -hmm. for a long time. That word surrender. What are they talking about with surrender? What do I surrender? (laughs) You know, it didn't make (laughs) sense, but, but eventually that that message I, th- I think it either we either get it or we don't and you know I'm really I'm really proud of you that's amazing how many years have you been sober now um October 10th it was uh 13 years wow that's awesome yeah. good for you good for thank you thank you yeah so we we have about 10 minutes left um I want to talk to you more about what you're doing now. You have a book. And as I, as we mentioned at the beginning of this uh, episode, you have a potentially a retreat coming up. Yeah. So um, I have my book and uh, I'm, I, it's self-published. So I do everything on my own with marketing it and selling it and, and working with bookstores to get it out there. So um, I have that. And then I do a lot of speaking engagements around that. Um, But I also am a partner in my own planning company with uh, two other individuals. So it's a busy time of year for us, but I'm also planning. So every birthday for myself, since I've started my my active recovery, um, I, for my birthday, I gift myself something um, to grow. And so I will either go to a seminar or I will uh, attend a conference of some kind, like a, a self-help conference or a retreat of some sort to, to grow. And it's funny because they're not like, they're always hard. Anytime you want to grow, they're always hard. Mm-hmm. So it's like yep. funny because it's not like the spa retreat <laughs> where you <laughs> like get to get pampered. It's like the last thing that you're doing is pampering yourself, but you're <laughs> like going to places you don't always want to go to. But I, that's something that I've, I commitment I made to myself was that I would commit to doing some kind of growth once a year on my birthday. Wow. And so this year is my 44th birthday um and uh on like uh, it's about you know within two weeks of my actual birthday is my sobriety birthday um, which will be my 14th birthday so I wanted to host a 
uh, retreat, a training retreat for others to come join me for my birthday weekend. Nice. So September 24th is my actual birthday. And that weekend starts on the 24th. So I just actually confirmed the location. It's going to be at the Quiet um, Talking Rock Resort in Little Shushwap in British Columbia. Okay. And it's a beautiful little resort that they have there um, that's owned by the Little Shushwap Indian Band. Nice. And uh, I'll be doing a, a it'll, we'll be doing two hours on Friday night and then all day Saturday together and then Sunday morning together. But we're going to be doing a lot of, uh, I will be doing a lot of storytelling and sharing and um, just utilizing some of the tools I've learned to help others um, build their own toolbox, I guess, to help you know, understand themselves better to uh, start learning how to work from a love-based place and a place of uh, patience and discipline first with themselves um, in order to start attracting, you know, other things into their lives. And so, you know, a lot of the things I've been able to accomplish have been based on those principles and those teachings. And so I want, um, I want to share that and, and just share that experience for, for my birthday weekend. That is awesome. So cool. Well, that's, I'm looking forward to that for you. That'll be really good. Um, I have one more question here and then we'll, you can kind of let people know where they can find your book and whatnot. Um, my last question is this show is all about creating a better world. And I think I'm going to start, you're the first person I've asked, but I'm going to start ending the show by asking guests what, what you think is one of the number one things that we as individuals can do to create a better world, a better future? Um, love ourselves. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, I just, it's when I, I used to say the serenity prayer so much and I never really understood what it meant and I would analyze it, analyze it, analyze it. I did not get it. I did not get um, the courage to change the things I can. I just didn't get it. And so when I think about that prayer and I think about, you know, loving yourself and letting go and letting God and how all of these teachings from all around the world, you know, it all comes down to the only way we can make this place a better world is if we take the time to love ourselves and um, teach our children to love themselves. And, you know, things every time people decide to do that and work from that place of love, it'll, it'll make things better for my kids. I have a daughter um, who's 10 years old um, and I was so scared for her because she was an indigenous girl. And I know the things that happen to indigenous girls in this world. And so it just makes me so happy that people are having these conversations and, and sharing their platforms for uh, indigenous women um, to talk about things. And so I'm just very uh, thankful for you to reaching out um, to share these stories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, like I said, I was very drawn to your, your story. It resonated a lot with me with having a similar story myself. And like I say, our, our goal here, our kind of tagline is to leave the, the planet and its society in better condition than we found it. And having these kinds of conversations are important and can be powerful. So Again, thank you for coming on the show. And before we close it out here, just where can people find your book and as well as social media and any information that's pertinent to you and your, your journey? 
Sure. Um, so everything can be found on my website. Uh, that's www.elainealec.com. And you can get my uh, social media links, uh, links to all of the different retreats and stuff that I'm doing. And it also links to different places that you can find my book. You can, uh, I know a lot of people don't want to support Amazon. And so there's some local bookstores that I'm working with in different areas to bring my book in. Um, and you can also ask your local bookstore. They, they also have the uh, opportunity to bring it in directly. That's great, great advice, great idea as well to support local. I fully endorse that concept. All right, Elaine. Well, thanks again. Really appreciated this conversation. And uh, perhaps we'll have another one in the future. I'm looking forward to following your journey. I want to, I have not yet read your book, but I plan to. I think that'll be my next read. So thank you again. Awesome. Thank All right. you. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show today. Remember, if you like what you just heard, the number one thing you can do to help support this vision is share this episode on social media with your friends. And as always, if you want to, we really appreciate any and all of you who support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Project TV. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.